0: Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by Lydia Crespo of Argamon and Defiance. Lydia, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Um, So yes, my name is Lydia Crespo, and I'm the owner of Argument and Defiance. And we are, oh, this is always fun to describe. Uh, (laughs) I don't like to describe myself as a fashion designer exactly, but um, I describe myself more as a surface designer or textile designer.
0: So you do have a fashion brand. So let's kind of like back up a little bit. Tell me (laughs) how you got into this and where did the idea for Archimon and Defiance come from?
1: Well, so I got into this by, I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and um, I just always have been drawn towards like fiber and uh, fiber arts. I love the malleability of it. I love that, you know, it can be Something so, so structured like garment design where there's like specific rules that you're following and um and techniques all the way to you know like more on the side of what I do where I'm doing developing my own methods and my own uh ways of translating new designs onto fabric I love that there's just this huge world of it that involves um that involves math and uh geometry and <laughs> chemistry but also like coming into this um but like enveloped in this world of art uh which is what I find uh so uh so fascinating about it but what al- always keeps drawing me back. Nice. And um yeah so I sorry I went off on a tangent there for a second but <laughs> <laughs> um but that's re- the reason why I went into the fiber arts um studies at uh the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and um, and while I was there, I really got into uh, dyeing fabric. Um, specifically, I really loved the chemistry behind it. And um, after, and I just kind of, I don't know how to describe it more than just like my hands kind of knew what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And then that made understanding the chemistry and the um, and the math, honestly, because you need to do a lot of percentages um, with it. Uh, that just made sense to me where before that stuff had just always been... Uh, very difficult for me to wrap my head around. So um, started doing this, started making a ton of stuff and my studio was overflowing. And about this time, a, uh, there was a, a like a student, like a rummage sale, kind of a, st- a student art sale where uh, all the students are encouraged just to kind of like get, you know, purge the stuff that's in their studio. And um, it's also a great way for the, uh, for the public to see what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I completely sold out. It was just like, yeah, it it was one of those things I thought, hmm, maybe I have something here. Um, And I never, ever dreamed that it would be like a full-fledged business and my full-time business and my, you know, uh, and actually provide an income for me. I always imagined it just being kind of like a a side hustle, you know, something that would continue to um, be able to uh, help me. Uh, fund my artwork and um, and so I just kind of kept going with it and then by the time I graduated um, that's when I started to see that there was maybe like a little bit of a hint of like there being some potential for a for a business venture here so I um, I applied for a grant which all um, undergrads are encouraged to do upon leaving from uh, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and I was one of 15 students uh, Undergraduate selected for this grant. And, um, and that's how I started my business. It was a very, it's, I think it was like, it was either $1,200 or $1,500. I can't remember now, but it was just this little grant. And I used that money to uh, buy a website, uh, continue my education. I, I bought like a bunch of classes that I could continue to at my local, um, my local kind of community art center. So I could continue to develop my skills. And then I bought a ton of supplies and I just went for it and you know I thought what you know what's the worst that could happen I you know I could have a little bit of fun and lose the money and then here we are 10 years later and it's a real business
0: <laughs> <It's> amazing <Nice>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool so I want to ask too where does the name come from so um,
1: this is this is fun uh, my name Lydia means the maker of purple cloth I was named after a woman in the bible Uh, that Mm -hmm. was that that was her trade and um and I actually almost didn't do dying because of that like it was just a (laughs) class I took on the whim and I was like oh this is so like on point (laughs) and it so I almost did not take a class on it but I'm really glad I did but um but Lydia uh she was a dyer by trade and the uh the dye that she was actually working with uh, is called argaman, and it's both a color descriptor, uh, which means a uh, kind of red to purples, and um, and it's a color descriptor in Hebrew. But it's also a uh, it's also the name of the sea mollusk that is actually that where this color is coming from. And it's not it's not the most humane process of getting the dye from the sea mollusk. You actually have to kind of squeeze it and extract the this kind of like oozy. Uh, like oil pigment that comes out of it. It's not very nice. Um, I've never done it before myself, but um, but that's where argument comes from. And then defiance is defiance, Missouri. And this is the other part of my namesake is I was uh, named after my great, great grandmother, and she lived in defiance, Missouri. And um, I wanted a way to honor her and um, honor my my grandparents that's that lived in defiance up until recently. So uh, yeah, it's just a way to kind of like pay homage to where I came from, who I came from, and uh, and who gave me my names.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I did not know that about them. Yeah, I know, our, it's like where our comes from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so, what type of things like y- you obviously textiles, but what type of like what are you dying for your business?
1: Yeah. Um, so we started out. Um, doing only natural dyes and natural dyes love protein fibers. And that means anything that's coming from a, from an animal or insect. So I was working with silk primarily for a good five to seven years before I started branching out to anything else. And, um, so right now I mostly dye, um, blends. So like a poly cotton blends, um, Mm -hmm. because I'm doing a lot of sweatshirts and, um, and it's just like it. It's just what, what I'm working with now. I maybe I'll go back to natural dyes in a few years, um, but I just kind of like I don't like to limit myself too much with what I'm working with, or, um, because I like I like the openness of just kind of like letting the design choose the materials than the other way around.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what does your creative process look like? Like you, you just mentioned, kind of letting the design choose the materials. So, mm-hmm. can you can you walk us through like? How, how do you come up with new designs and what does that process look like?
1: It's just, it's a lot of just playing around in my studio and, um, and always, I'm, I'm just always trying to be aware of, um, why I'm attracted to certain colors or certain patterns or something like that. That was something, um, I was taught very early on in art school when I was going to, um actually a community college here in St. Louis, uh, and Valley Community College. Um, the instructors there are incredible. And if you are looking for a really great, uh, arts education without spending a lot of money, go to Flow Valley. They're incredible because they, they drilled into my head of like, always be asking yourself why you are attracted to something, why this means something to you. It's always deconstructing Um, these visual cues that, that you're given. So it's just something that I do instinctively now um, so that I can quickly parse why I'm attracted to a certain color or why I'm attracted to a certain surface design. And then I can take that information into my studio and do I want to replicate it? Do I want to do the complete opposite of it? Um, How am I going to do that? There's so many questions that you're asking when you're um, beginning, beginning the creative process that I just kind of having that tool in my bag of, just being able to recognize it is huge for me. And then I can just get to work. The other part of it is knowing that when I am in the beginning of this creative process, um, I give myself a lot of like just grace almost, (laughs) I guess (laughs) is the best way to call it because I know that like, I'm never going to get it right on the first try. It's going to probably take at least four to seven tries and it's never going to be right during that first lot ever. And um, so it's just a lot of um, kind of being familiar with, the, with my personal creative process and knowing that it's, um, it's one of those things that's going to be ever evolving and um, it should never be static. I think that was probably a little bit more um, of an open-ended answer for you, but I hope I, hope I answered it.
0: <laughs> no, that's cool just to hear. Like what questions are going through your head, and and you know how the experimentation design works.
1: Yeah, I think it's um, understanding, um, w- really having a good understanding of how I work personally um, helps me out quite a bit, um, and then also recognizing the parts that should be structured and the parts that should be open ended, and not trying to control or uh, swap those because that's when you start to get into into trouble and blocked.
0: Totally. So I'm curious, like, I feel like there's a difference between art for art's sake and like design for the sake of selling in a business. And that those are always, those are sometimes like you have to approach the two differently. So how do you kind of blend your creative exploration and like the art that you work, you're trained in and obviously love to do with running a business doing that? Right, right.
1: And I think you know, you're absolutely right. They are very, very different, but the two are similar in the fact that like, you know, you have to know your audience. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I think like, again, that's where a lot of my art training comes back to, which is, um, you know, I was, I was trained as a visual communicator, right. So in, in the arts is what, what, what it is. So, having an understanding of my audience first and what I'm trying to accomplish that kind of really does just kind of like clear a really nice path for me so that I know exactly what the expectations are for me and how I need to communicate those um, whatever it is to um, to the viewer or or in this case wearer. so if it is you know if I am designing something that should be functional I want that to be like immensely clear to the wear that like this is and how it's supposed to function. Is it a jacket? Is it a sweatshirt? Um, is this a sweatshirt that you could also wear to work? How are you going to dress that up or dress that down? I always need to have that um, in the back of my head and um, and thinking about uh, when I'm when I'm communicating that to to the wearer. Um, with visual arts, it does get a little bit more tricky, or fine art, I should say. It does mm-hmm. get a little bit more tricky because you are at the same time you need to be. Uh, communicating why this person needs this object in their life and why, why it will enhance like their everyday experience. Um, whether it's looking at it or it's a visual reminder or if it's something that you're communicating maybe a bigger idea um, about like maybe social justice or, um, um, or environmental impact or, you know, or something along those lines. Um, it's, it's always like, it's, it, even though there's wildly different expectations, knowing your audience is key.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I'm, yeah. I talk about that all the time and, and have it throughout these podcast episodes, like lots of conversations about yes. it keeps coming up. It's like, you have to know <laughs> your audience to be able to design well or to, to come up with product that people are going to want to buy and wear. Wrong.
1: Right, or even just knowing how to talk to them. Exactly, um, is, yeah. Right, yeah, like you just need to know like, how, what your approach should be. And this is, I, and I think, I hope that doesn't come off like as slimy or manipulative, but it's more of just like, I don't want to, I also just don't want to be throwing things in the face of people who don't care or who don't want Mm -hmm. this thing. You know, I want to be talking to the people who do care and who, um, who this will enrich their lives. Um, That's really important to me. There's, um, there's a lot of so many things that are going through the minds of a designer um, when they're trying to, um, to design something that will enrich and benefit their, um, the, the wearer's life.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did you discover kind of who your customer is? Like when you first did that market in school and realized like everyone's buying this, like did that kind of tune you into who's interested in, in, in the art that you're making? Or how did you find and connect with that kind of ideal customer who, who this is meaningful to?
1: Yeah, um, and that's a great question. I think it's something that is again, ever evolving that I, um, that I should never get fixated on just one group of people. Um, and, and I say that like knowing full well that um, that there is one group of people that I do primarily speak to, and that is women. Um, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but I say that I, that I try not to get too fixated because um, my current most popular designs are these sweatshirts. And the fascinating thing about them and thing that completely blew my mind is that 80-year-old women are loving these things, but so are 16-year-old boys. And I'm like, <sighs> I did not, That's a very I did different not, demographics. way different demographic, right? Mm-hmm. And I never, I guess like it was a really great lesson for me. And, you know, again, I've been doing this for like 10, 12 years now. Um, I had kind of pigeonholed myself. I knew that I talked to women really well. I knew that I could design for women really well. And, um, this particular design just happened to speak to men. And, um, and it was a real, it was a great lesson for me um, to not pigeonhole myself um, and to, and then also just not to, I, I had to change up the way I spoke. I had to change up, I had to change up the way, excuse me, I had to change up the way I speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I had to change up the way I speak. I had to change up um, who I was speaking to and, um, and to be a little bit more inclusive, you know, that was, so that was really, you know, it was a great lesson for me tonight it's so pigeonholed, so yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's ever evolving and it's going to continue to evolve and that was another really great lesson for me as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that as well. It's it's always a process of continuing to get to know and have conversations with your customers yeah. or potential customers, yeah. So how do you decide what products you're going to add to your collection? Like you, you talked about the sweatshirts and, and jackets, mm-hmm. so what, what does your process look like deciding, you know, what, what pieces of clothing you're, you're going to dye and print?
1: Yeah, um, that is, uh, again, it's an ever-evolving process, but something that I really rely on our, um, and that we can't do right now is face-to-face with my with my customers. So I love doing, you know, the festivals and markets where I get to see how people are interacting with, um, with my pieces and I get to hear little comments. So like things like, you know, oh, I, you know, I really love this, but I wish it was bigger or I wish it was a little longer or, um, you know, who would love this blah, blah, blah. you know, like that mm-hmm. sort of thing. That information is all gold to me and it really informs how I go forward. Um, so I, and unfortunately that's just something we can't do right now. So, Mm -hmm. um, so getting that information through, um, like, you know, Google reviews or, um, or seeing even just like Instagram videos that my customers are making after they buy a product and then they're showing it to their friends and talking about what they love about it has been, um, has been what I've been relying on a lot lately.
0: Things have definitely totally changed this year in terms of like, how do you, how do you connect with? with people as a brand and just as a person too exactly Um, so you sell online and you also have two shops right and are doing wholesale is that correct yeah
1: yeah um so we just have one retail location now we closed our lake st louis location down to open the one in st charles yeah um and that was um that was, you know, it was one of those things where we found this spot in St. Charles. And again, this is where that information of knowing my customer comes really, comes in hand really greatly um, because we saw this spot and I knew that we would do great there. So, um, so I jumped on it and, and it was, it's been really great so far. And, um, and I really, I really love St. Charles so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and um And then, yes, and then we, so we have the, um, the online shop uh, that we sell out of, uh, or that we sell on, we have the retail location that we sell out of, um, but we also carry other brands as well. And then, uh, and then I wholesale as well. And wholesale has been probably my, um, my bread and butter for the most, for the most part of, um, of owning, you know, argument and defiance and running it. Um, we're in over 150 uh, retail locations now, and then we also, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's really satisfying, like um, seeing like the, our wholesale business grow quite a bit um, and and continue to grow and flourish. Um, and then we've also done like really interesting partnerships uh, where we've done like small collections for West Elm or um, or Urban Outfitters has carried our stuff online. Um, you know, just like doing like small, um, like interesting partnerships with like the bigger retailers. It's been really interesting as well.
0: Cool. So I have several things I want to ask more about with what you just <laughs> said. Um, so first of all, like how, how did you start those kind of partnerships with like Urban Outfitters and West Elm? How did those come about and what did that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, so those were, you know, the buyers contacting me. Um, and I, and I don't know exactly how, and I wish I would have had, you know, like some of those like, uh, conversations were early on in my wholesale career. And I didn't know I could ask questions like, how did you find me? You know, stuff (laughs) like that. Uh, so, uh, (laughs) but, um, but for like urban outfitters, I believe they found me when I was doing, you know, a market and a pop-up. And I think that's where a lot of, um, Uh, it used to be you would go to wholesale shows in Las Vegas and New York and, Mm -hmm. um, and you'd spend thousands and thousands of dollars for, uh, you know, like this little five by five booth space and like try to, you know, sell your stuff to, uh, to boutiques and stuff like that. Well, I've been to um, some of those. They're like, (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. They're, they're massive. And when you're thinking like, I'm taking up like literally this, like, 20 square foot space, right. You know, Mm -hmm. our, our 25, 25 square foot space, like nobody's going to find me (laughs) in these things. Um, but you know, I started doing, I, I started noticing, um, that I would do, uh, shows like renegade, uh, craft fair, um, which is started in Chicago, but now it's, um, it's nationwide. They, they do shows in New York and Chicago and, uh, Austin and San Francisco. And, um, I love renegade and I love the people that run that. And so I just started doing, uh, doing, going to more and more of those shows. And I noticed a huge influx in my, um, in my wholesale accounts after those shows and buyers started going to those shows and to find interesting and unique pieces. And I believe that's how um, Urban Outfitters found me. Um, I know that's how West Elm found me. Um, I'm trying to think of what other partnerships I've done. um, oh gosh, sorry, my brain. It's holiday season. You'll have to excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're
0: fine.
1: But, um, but like some of my, but like, let's not even focus on like the the big guys. Like the small accounts, like those those boutiques that place those orders with me every other month, like mm-hmm. on the nose those are what makes my business. Those are what makes, makes possible for me to do what I do. And those are the relationships that I, that I love the most. I mean, sure, everybody knows who Urban Outfitters is, but, um, you know, I found, um, Union, uh, STL, which is a shop here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Um, and at, when I was just doing like a little pop-up and, um, or I should say they found me and that, and it's been one of my greatest relationships because of, I've been able to, um, well, you know, they've been buying from me for a solid four years now. So like, it's, it's one of those things where I really appreciate and love the, the, the relationships that I've been able to make through um, just being out, out in public, which again, I can't do right now. (laughs) I know.
0: I think that's fascinating though. I, I did not realize that uh, a lot of, like wholesale buyers, even from, you know, big and small stores are starting to go to more craft fairs. Yeah. Like that's really cool that like they're looking for unique product in a different place other than like magic or something. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. And I think it's just because it's just retail is evolving. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, and the same people who continue to go to magic have been going to magic for the past 30 years. And so you're just seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when you go to something like Renegade, um, you know, you are seeing someone who has a fresh new approach to, you know, not just like, not just products, but also the way they're selling. Um, So, yeah. Right. So like, um, so for instance, with me, when you become a, a whole, when you wholesale with me, um, I'll send you all of my images, video product descriptions and everything, because I know your online business is just as important as that retail brick and mortar business. And you need to be speaking to everyone. And so like, that's just something that again, I've learned is, imp- is it just as important to the buyer is having mm-hmm. that, that, um, that stuff, that material, um, so that they can they can continue to sell in every way possible. Because you want them to do well, because if they're doing well, you're doing well.
0: Mm-hmm, and that goes back to, again, like talking to your customers and knowing who they are. Like you've obviously had enough conversations with them to know that that was something that was important and that exactly. they, would, they would value having th- those materials.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I should also say, when I became a shop owner, um, my sister and I run the shop together. I don't do it all together. That would be, or all by myself. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Um, but that's what we did is we went to a bunch of, you know, a bunch of shows here in St. Louis. And then, um, also whenever I travel, our whole thing is with the shop, we just carry Midwest makers for the most part. There's a few, like, California people that snuck in, but, um, (laughs) for the most part, we just carry Midwest makers. So whenever I was doing a show in Ohio or Chicago, um, you know, I was going around and ask and, you know, asking for, for line sheets or wholesale information, um, because it's, it's really important to me that we're, um, that we were finding things made in the Midwest, but I was finding them at these markets. So, yeah. Yeah. So
0: what was, what was so important about like Midwest makers that made you want to focus on them?
1: I think for me, it's just a personal love and appreciation of the Midwest. Um, my, uh, my husband and I lived in Chicago. He was born and raised in Chicago, but I, we lived there together, um, for a little over 10 years and, um, and then recently moved to St. Louis and, um, after he was relocated and, um, And I grew up in St. Louis and I love it here. Um, And, but we had a conversation when we were, we were kind of deciding whether where we wanted to live, where we wanted to move next, because um, we were ready to move away from Chicago. And um, for the, for both of us, just staying in the Midwest was a huge priority. We weren't wooed by either coast, east or west. Like we really just love, the pace and the people of the Midwest. And, um, so for me, um, it was just as important. It was just kind of like, it was just a no brainer. It was like, oh yeah, we're just going to support things that are made in the Midwest. And I think there's a, there's a, um, there's a huge market for it, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. here in St. Louis, you know, like there are a lot of shops that focus on handmade items, but not necess- but not just handmade items. It's either like super, um, uh, super ma- uh, micro where that's like just items that are made in st. Louis or they or it's a, an expanded thing where it's just handmade items so mm-hmm. I thought like you know what there's a middle ground here where I think I could uh, I could you know benefit from but also use it as a my little soapbox to promote really awesome things that are going on in the Midwest
0: yeah that's cool and I think that's so true it's like a lot of um, like when you think of fashion you think like New York or la or something you do and- it, like the Midwest gets forgotten about a lot, but totally. I mean, I've lived in St. Louis for like 10 years and there's still like more brands here that I didn't even know about that I'm still learning yeah. are here. And there's, there's actually like a lot more like in the in St. Louis and the Midwest than I think people realize. Like there's some really cool, yeah, really cool brands. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, just like, just having
1: the shop for a little over a year now and just being able, like, I thought I knew about all of them, you know, just because I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I do around, I go to these markets and festivals. There was so many more brands and just like people, just like, again, just having this like really neat approach and a Midwest sensibility to it. There was like just a lot of like no nonsense. And that's what I really loved about it was like, is that, um, It was people that were kind and I loved working with them and that I got, and they were making just really cool stuff. Cool.
0: So, um, I was looking at your website a little bit and your tagline says apparel to keep you cozy and workshops to keep you curious. So I'm curious, can you tell us more about the workshops that you offer? Oh
1: yes. Yeah. Uh, so the workshops are something that I've been doing pretty, I can't, Oh, I do remember the first workshop I did. Um, I I did a workshop for um, there was these uh, these two sisters that did this thing called Yoga Plus in Chicago, and it was like yoga plus some other like cool event that was going in doing and uh, going on in Chicago, whether it was like mixology or your cooking, or in my case, I was teaching everybody how to naturally die. And so um, so. I just, I, you know, I thought it sounded fun. I thought it sounded cool. I thought it was a really great way for me to get my brand out there and meet a whole bunch of new people. And again, women doing yoga falls under my umbrella of, um, of my customer. So I thought this was kind of a win-win for me. Um, so I tried it out and I get, I got so much information on how once people saw, how i was doing and what i was doing uh how i was making the pieces and all of the effort and work that went into it it made um talking to them about it that much more richer they appreciated the product so much more because they knew all of the effort and work that went into it and also not and not just like that piece but also how like the process that went into even having gaining the knowledge to make that piece Um, was immediately understood with a 30-minute tutorial. And I thought, there is something here because educating your customer is a big part of what I do. My pieces are, they're not cheap. I wouldn't say they're expensive. They're somewhere in the middle of the line, but they're definitely an investment. And I would never, ever shame or guilt someone into buying something, but I do hope that they understand why it is priced the the way it is. And I found that workshops is a really great way to communicate that knowledge and understanding and, uh, and also how, like, and the reason why you buy this piece and you cherish it. Um, So for me, it was just like, it was, um, it was something that I knew, I recognized immediately that I needed to put in my business practice. And um, it also is a really nice way to, because like I said, I really love doing those markets and festivals but I get like maybe a five minute max conversation with a customer, right? Mm-hmm. And during workshops that takes that five minute conversation to an hour long conversation about process and about, um, you know, about, the, make, about the making experience and the designing experience. And, um, and I really, really appreciate that. And I really, I truly do love my customers. So more time that I get to spend with them, the better.
0: Cool. Yeah, that I—that's a very like unique way to like show the value of your, of your designs and connect with customers through the workshops. Like, that—that that wasn't the first thing that like came to my head about like why would it? Why would a brand yeah. also offer workshops as well as products? But right. that's really cool.
1: Right, right. Now, something that's been really interesting too, because we can't do anything in person right now, mm-hmm. is that I. Um, I thought, well, at the beginning of this year, like March, I had, I had all of these workshop plans and that we were gonna be doing these like really cool things in the studio and at the shop. And, you know, like it would just be this wonderful experience. And then, and then in March I had to close the shop because, you know, Mm -hmm. well, I had to close the shop to the public uh, because we we weren't sure what was going to happen and we wanted to keep everybody safe. what I didn't expect to happen is that I think I have taught just as many workshops this year as I normally would. And Uh I've been doing it all virtually, which means I get to speak to more people. And now all of these, these conversations that I'm having are being recorded. So then that many, many more eyeballs are happening. Um, also something I've never, I've always wanted to do is to kind of put together kits so that like more people can do it. And because I had the time, uh, and uh, renewed focus, I was able to to put together a few kits this year. Um, it's also just been really interesting too, because um, you know, yes, I'm working with like you know retail customers where they buy a kit on my website and then um, can do that at home. But um, I've also been recognized by um, again doing some some working with some bigger corporations um, because they are looking for that intimacy and that team building that they don't have right now with their, with either their, uh, with either their clients or their, uh, their employees, they're looking to build that right now and doing a workshop where we're all doing the same thing at the same time, even if we're in different places is achieving that goal. So, um, I've worked with cargo, which is a mobile app developer, um, to do a couple of like several different workshops with them this year, um, with, uh, their, both their clients and their employees, and they've been super successful and I really loved it. Um, and then, uh, I'm also doing several, uh, gift wrapping workshops, which is so much fun. It's my favorite thing to teach. Um, but I'm doing several gift wrapping workshops for the number of corporations this holiday season with the same goal in mind, just something fun, you know, something to do. So, and I'm working with, um, a couple of different law firms um a couple of different uh, event corporate uh, event uh coordinators and and then i'm also doing a um a couple for google as well which is really cool
0: yeah that is really cool so do yeah. you send like the kit to each of the people that like signs up so that everyone has the yeah that's exactly or is it, like, what i do that they... okay
1: yeah it's a little bit of both there are some people who just prefer they just want like a quick you know, 30 minute tutorial and then, uh, or, you know, or 10, 10 to 30 minute tutorial. And then they move on to the next thing, whether it's like a holiday game or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I can offer that or if they want, you know, an hour long, um, immersive experience where I'm sending them a kit ahead of time, you know, we have some drinking games involved. Um, <laughs> you know, but like, basically I'm hosting a workshop like I normally would in my studio space or at the shop. Um, and, uh, but, you know, this time I'm just doing it over Zoom. So, yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Because it's yeah. um, kind of the same thing, like, trying to think of ways to connect. Like, I'm, I normally am going to, like, fashion fund events or, you know, fashion yes. international events. And it's, like, how do you recreate kind of the collab- collaboration and the just the friendship and being able to, like, right. talk shop with a bunch of people? Um, exactly. In a virtual world and like brainstorming, how do you do that?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, I saw firsthand how people were connecting in the workshop, right? By all doing the same thing. There's something mm-hmm. magical that happens when you're working with your hands, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like your brain is making different connections that it just normally doesn't. And, um, and so for me, when all of this started happening, it was almost just like a no-brainer that you know, of course people are going to need this connection. They're not having that person to person connection. So let's have this, like this brain to hand connection so that they can talk about this experience, this tactile experience that they had with their coworkers or with their clients or whatever it is. And, um, and it just like, it brings like another way of connection um, into, into the play. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. like for me, um, art is all about problem solving, and when um, art and design is all about problem solving, so when you know something like this happens, like a global pandemic that you know is um, that could have serious effects on your business. For me, I looked at it and I thought, okay, what do I have to work with? What can I change? Um, what uh, what do I have? Uh, what do I have in my my own skill set that I can? bring to the table to make this world a better place, um, to make this design better, to make this experience better. You know, that's how I looked at it. Did I freak out for like 10 minutes? Of course I did. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as my freak out was over, I thought, okay, this is just another problem to solve just like anything else.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. How you've been able to like pivot such a, like a tactile in-person business and, still do that, but like add, make it work in the virtual environment as well.
1: Exactly. You know, again, it just goes to, okay, what variables do I have to control? And that's how I look at it. So it's been, um, it's been such a wild year, but um, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm, of course, I never want to make light of like the seriousness of what's going on, but, um, but I am, um, I'm happy that we can, uh, you know, bring some, uh, some joy or, um, some peace, whether it's like, you know, a sweatshirt that's comfy that you're laying in at nights, that's just kind of like giving you some peace and some, some comfort, or it's a, um, a workshop experience. That's like taking your mind off of all your other stress or, you know, just kind of like the madness of the world right now. Um, Mm -hmm. if I can kind of just relieve some of that for even 30 minutes, I'm, I'm really happy and I'm glad I could be using my skills
0: in that way. Yeah, that's great. So your, your studio, you're in the St. Charles Foundry Arts Center, right? Correct. I love that place. Me too. Um, <laughs> so what is it like to be surrounded by, because there's a whole bunch of artisans in the foundry yeah. um, that have studios there. So I can imagine it's very inspiring to be surrounded by that. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about like what it's like being part of that type of environment? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I love the foundry and I'm so glad to hear that you do too. Cause it's just one of, it's a, it's just really a gem. Like, you know, there's really no other place like it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so there's me and then there's 14, 13 other artists, um, that are working full time here. Um, and, uh, and we, 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 uh, each have, it's a number of different mediums. So, uh, I'm a fiber artist here. There's another fiber artist that happens to be right next door to me. Um, there are several painters that are, you know, that are doing either oils or acrylic, um, watercolor. Um, we have a, um, we have a, um an artist that does mosaics and so she's working with marbles and different stones. It's just like there's really interesting. Oh, and then we have of course like a couple of ceramic artists that are doing amazing things as well um and a basket weaver. You know, like there's just mm-hmm. there's you can um come to the Foundry Art Center and expect to see um a number of different working artists doing um a number of amazing, you know, using their skills in amazing ways. Um but as far as like what it's like working here is um, it's wonderful. And I, um, I was really thrilled and, uh, and it happened. It's, it was so lucky that there happened to be a studio space available when I moved here. And, um, and I, it's a juried thing. Like you can't just walk in and say, I want a studio here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to be juried in, um, by a group of, of artists, um, of the art of the, um, Artist advisory board. And I, um, so I was really lucky that I, not only was there a space available, but that my work was, um, was good enough um, to, to beat out five other working artists to be, to have that space. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I was coming from Chicago where I had, um, I was, my, my husband and I, we lived on the third floor of our apartment building and the second floor was my studio space, comp- the whole thing. And, um, it's not as glamorous as it sounds. It was really like dirty old apartment (laughs) Um, that hadn't been like updated since probably like 1964 or something, but, um, like it is, um, um, but I should say the landlord was agreeable to allow me to have the space to work. And it was wonderful. And it, um, and they, they, they were such great landlords. It was really amazing that they allowed me the space to do that. Um, So, um, but I should say like I was working alone most of the day with Mm -hmm. nobody else around. So the foundry has been, um, amazing because I, I get to, you know, if I have a problem or if I, um, just need help, uh, you know, thinking through how I should approach a certain piece, um, I have 13 other artists that I can go to for help. And, um, or, and, or even if it's just, I need a hammer or something like that <laughs> and I can just go borrow that. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful working here.
0: Cool. Yeah. I, I can imagine like being surrounded by that and being able to like talk to people, even of different that are working in different mediums still, yeah. you know, helps yeah. with the problem solving and just like brainstorming and the creative
1: Absolutely. process. Absolutely. And I mean, different mediums is Absolutely. But I should also say like different ages. I mean, like there's, you know, there's artists here who are, you know, who are in their twenties and they have a space here that they're working in, but then there's also artists here who are in their eighties. And mm-hmm. so they have this, like, there's just this wealth of knowledge that, um, that I, uh, that is so wonderful to be at my disposal.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to back up a little bit and ask, more about, I'm curious, does your creative process or does your approach to design or does the business differ between like what you're working on and selling and who you're selling to online versus your wholesale versus your like physical retail shop? Because I I know other businesses that I, I work with that have both direct to consumer and wholesale it, they're, they slightly differ sometimes, even though it's still the same business.
1: Yeah, they definitely do slightly differ. And it's also just kind of, they slightly different, differ from like region to region too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, yeah, you know, like I, it's important to, to pay attention to, um, to all of that, what's going out the door, um, and, and try to understand, uh, the reason why, or see if you can anticipate some of those, um, uh, those shifts or, um, or demands. Right. Um, And I also think that those things can, um, and do inform what, how we're selling things at the shop as well. Um, all of that information is really important to at least try to keep tabs on. Um, it's one of those things I try to maybe not let inform my decisions, but, um, but I like try to keep, take account of when, um, when I'm making decisions versus like for when I'm like buying for wholesale or, you know, buying for the shop or, you know, or preparing for the new, for the next season or something like that. It's. It's nothing concrete, but it's definitely something I consider.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if I answered. That was a very roundabout way of answering that. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, it's sometimes hard to put yeah. your finger on like the differences. But I, I'm always curious of like. I think part of it is you know when you're selling directly to the consumer, they're filtering like what they want or you know. Yeah. You know, Directly, whereas if you're working, you know, with a wholesale buyer, there's kind of that middle person who's curating stuff of what they think the end consumers want. And even just like your online customer might be slightly different than the customer that shops in a a boutique or just how the product looks online versus looks in a, you know, like there's differences of, you know, how, how, how the presentation is in person versus online then.
1: Yeah. Like all those
0: minute details. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And you brought up something that's really important too, that like the person shopping online is really just shopping, you know, for themselves. And, um, and that information right there is so important because, um, because the, as opposed to the, the shopper, the wholesale buyer, right. That's, that's buying for a lot of people and mm-hmm. trying to cover every base, and they're usually typically a little bit more conservative with um, with what they're bringing in and the quantities they're buying and everything like that. So for me, if I can have this data and say, "Look, this is what's super hot on our website right now," you know, mm-hmm. like these mm-hmm. have just been flying, we can barely keep them in stock. If I can share that information with that buyer, then they're going to feel a lot more confident, and then. Um, and then it helps me prepare on my end because eventually that wholesale buyer will be, will know that this item is really good and that, um, and that they should be bringing more quantities of it in the shop. If I'm not prepared for that, then I'm going to be letting them down, which kind of stinks. So, yeah. um, so it is helpful to have that information. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So are you, you you said your sister helps run the shop side of things. Are you the only one doing the dyeing and actually producing the product then?
1: Yeah, for the most part, um, I am the only one who's, I I am the only one who's doing the dyeing for sure. Um, I was just having this conversation with, um, with one of my studio mates about like how I just have the hardest time allowing people into my studio. Um, you know, hiring Mm -hmm. like a bookkeeper or anyone to like, just kind of dig through my finances or, or my sister, you know, just to kind of like run the shop for me and everything. No problem. Have no problem. Like letting that off, like giving up that responsibility, but there's something about my studio that I'm having um, and continue to have like a really hard time letting people in here. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I I can understand that. Yeah.
1: I I hope it's not going to be my demise, but like, gosh, it's just, it's really difficult for me to, to let go of control of this. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's so personal. I mean, it sounds like you're very passionate about it and enjoy the creative process of it. So it's it's like, you don't want to have to give that part up, you know?
1: That is Um, so true. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's actually really nice to hear you say that because it's like, maybe that is part of the thing for me is that I just don't, I don't want to share this part of it because I do, it does fuel me. Um, There's, 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 I get so much joy out of working with my hands every day um, that like the thought of giving that up is almost a little, almost more than I can bear.
0: So it, being that it's only you doing that, does that, uh, I, I can see why like wanting to be able to plan better and, and kind of anticipate on the wholesale side, like the quantities people are buying is so important because yeah, I can imagine that makes your schedule, like trying to jump, jumble that and make sure that you have the right amount of product done at the right time is super exactly important.
1: yeah 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 it's really important managing those expectations and turnaround times um and uh I'm not always great at it um I try I trying my best to be better at it um and, and this year has been even more challenging just because um you know supply chains have been just kind of yeah definitely. blown up <laughs> so you know like the um the rubber bands that I always usually work with or you know are you just like you know just like silly things like that are always around just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden weren't around anymore and so it's just been um I think even like finding thread like in March and April was Mm -hmm. so hard you know elastic
0: I feel like everywhere i sold out of elastic for the longest time I'm like you can't find quarter inch elastic anywhere
1: (laughs) wild right yeah Yeah. it's just kind of like it, it really yeah, it, it's just been it's been challenged this year. Um, my, um, but there are you know there are certain parts of the creative process that are um, the making process that aren't as creative that I can let go. So, um, you know, things like putting my tags in, or mm-hmm. um, you know, or stamping size or putting size stickers on um, that sort of stuff, um, you know, have to have to let go of it. And that's where you know having a little bit of help really does come in.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm -hmm. so I have one more question for you that I ask everyone at the end which is if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes that you make what would it be
1: oh this is a good one well I guess it's just maybe since I've just been talking about how much I love the process I guess it's just the value is just like is really appreciating loving and acknowledging the the process that I put into each piece I make um, that it really is my hands doing the work. Um, and so I hope that, that that's the value that comes out of it, that like when someone wears it, that they're truly, they're cherishing this piece and it's not just gonna be um, thrown away or discarded, that it is, it is an investment. And whether it is an investment in their comfort or their wardrobe um, or investing in their community by supporting a small business, I hope that that's, that's the value that comes through.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love it. This has been such a fun conversation. I feel like I got to know more about your business that I didn't (laughs) know. Um, Where can people find more about you online?
1: Um, So our website is argumentdefiance.com, just one word. Um, Or you can find us on Instagram where I'm always pretty active, which is argumentdefiance. If you'd like to visit our shop, we are at uh, 338 South Main. Um, in historic St. Charles. Uh, and then the shop is called Cozy Shop, and you can find us at cozyshopstl.com online.
0: Thanks for joining me today, Lynn.
1: Thank you. This has been super fun.
0: That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.